Welcome to Sound Waves at St. Bede's, a weekly podcast of St. Bede's Episcopal Church in Los Angeles, California, a vibrant and inclusive community of faith serving Venice, Playa Vista, Mar Vista, Ocean Park, Santa Monica, and beyond. Each week, Sound Waves features the sermon from last week's Sunday's worship services. In addition, as often as possible, we share selections from the extraordinary St. Bede's music program update our listeners on church news, and convey the stories of our faith as we live out our baptismal covenant. As always, we invite you to worship with us at St. Bede's on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Additional information and directions to our church campus can be found on our website, stbedesla.org, S-T-B-E-D-E-S-L-A.org. Thank you for listening. May the love of Christ be with you today and always. All right, I want to start with a poll question this morning. After hearing the gospel, who is A, confused, B, uncomfortable, C, angered, D, comforted? I imagine if you were like me, you're probably a little bit confused, a little bit angry, and a little bit uncomfortable. A Messiah who brings division? Wait a minute. This isn't the Jesus I know. This isn't the Jesus that I love. Division. Isn't Jesus a toned-down John the Baptist? If I had stripped out the words that it was Jesus saying and I read those words, you would have been like, oh, that must be John the Baptist running his mouth again. It isn't. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who reminds us this morning that there is a true cost, a value associated with being a follower of Christ. And that was true in first century life as a follower of Christ also. The Jesus movement which we hear about this morning, was a radical shift. It was a social upheaval. And it required a serious commitment and something that threatened harmony. First century Christian life, households were being separated based on the interpretation, is Jesus the Messiah or is Jesus not the Messiah? The world was being flipped upside down and people inevitably had to choose one side or another, choose a different way or that way. Now I know what you're saying to me. Things really haven't changed, Ryan. Right? There is a great deal of division. This division is not exclusive to first century Christian life. All we have to do is look just outside these walls and we can see the division that is rocking our community, our nation, and even the world. I had a delightful, amazing, inspirational high school chaplain at St. Margaret's. His name was Father Mike Wallens. And Mike grew up in Chicago, 
think Southside Jerry, I think he's a Southside guy. Um, and he grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family. And when Mike converted to Christianity, his Orthodox community grieved it so much that they literally held a funeral for him. And Mike was telling us as high schoolers, I think I was a sophomore at that time, a squirrely sophomore in chapel, hearing the story of this man telling that when he converted to Christianity, his community literally held a funeral for him. And in a Orthodox Jewish cemetery, there is a headstone with his name. And Mike and I have since, obviously, because of my work in Episcopal schools, have become friends, and he was a wonderful mentor to me. And I asked him at one point, what was that like? What was it like where you, where you made this decision in your faith and in that the community that you grew up in, the community that raised you, your family and friends, literally had a funeral for you? And he said, I went through that a range of emotions. Obviously, I was angry, I was frustrated, I was sad. But he then ultimately came to some peace because he was living into what he felt was his identity and his faith. I want to believe that he was telling the story to a bunch of squirrely 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. He had this passage in mind. The fact is that in communities like Jesus' time, bold witnesses of faith can actually not bring peace, but bring division. Division. It's not just households that were divided in the time of Jesus. There was communities divided by the standards that were being wrestled with. Jesus lashes out in verse 56. He says, you hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but you do not know how to interpret the present time. I bet you every one of us in this room, especially those of us who grew up in Southern California, know when the Santa Ana winds are coming. It's just got that feel. It gets dry, and you can tell within hours those winds are going to start blowing. This is what Jesus is saying to his followers. You can interpret the weather, but you cannot interpret the present time. You can't see that Jesus, me, the Son of God, is standing right before you and trying to change the world. You can't even see that I'm right here with you and that a movement is starting. And Jesus is critical of this, that generation's ability to see the work of the kingdom of God right before their eyes. Individuals were investing their time and energy in false prophets. Communities were being led by individuals who were driven by self-interest and power and money. Peace and harmony were oversold and under-delivered. Let me say that again. Peace and harmony were oversold and under-delivered. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like this day and age? 
countless in leadership, those we ask to lead on our behalf, promise us peace and harmony, and they don't deliver. The movement ushered in by Jesus shined a big spotlight on the ills of society. And by doing that, he threatened those in power, those with money, those with the positions that were most highly regarded. Think back for a moment to last week's gospel. We heard, be dressed for action and have your lamp lit. Today's gospel reading is a continuation of that scripture check. Jesus is preparing his followers for life after him. Preparing them for the world after the cross. And his followers must deal with the fallout of the emergence of the Jesus movement. Jesus knew that he was stirring the hornet's nest, but it was his followers and even us, his future followers, that were going to have to pick up the pieces, make sense of it for the world, and be bold in the ways that we communicate and emulate a gospel of love. His followers would need to deal with the division that Jesus had set in motion by his preaching and teaching. Jesus had stoked the fire, we heard this morning, and his followers, we must tend that flame. A new world order has been ushered in by Jesus, and that's what we're hearing about in this morning's gospel reading, and it is not comfortable. It should not make you comfortable. It's so radical that it will shape the community and eventually lead to individual families being divided. How many of you have found yourself in the last couple of years at odds with a coworker, a dear friend, or even a family member? And because of what you believe in, not just your own faith, but some of the values that you take out into the world that's informed by your faith, you've had family members turn their back on you, or a coworker. Or friend it hurts it hurts but if we are living gospel-centered lives if we are living into the values that Jesus espouses to us a gospel of love a gospel of peace gospel of inclusion radical transformation then we might have to say I don't like it but that is the way it's going to be. Nothing will ever be the same, Jesus says to the disciples. It's foolish to think that the new world order will emerge without discord and division. That's what Jesus is telling us this morning. Jesus is expecting his followers to be ready. Expect the unexpected. Expect someone to turn away from you. Expect others to despise you. Even your own family. But what Jesus is longing for, what he longs for us to all to experience is a profound wholeness and a healthiness 
and the cost might come through some division. The greater peace will come at the cost of a lesser peace. That's a tough message to digest. But aren't things just getting worse, Ryan? Isn't this world just getting worse? Wonderful, wonderful social activist, Adarine um, Brown wrote this. Things are not getting worse. They're getting uncovered. We must hold each other tight and continue to pull back the veil. In first century life, Jesus' presence did not make the world worse. Instead, his presence and the movement he propelled began revealing what was hidden behind the veil of the world. And the same is true these days. Those things that we are wrestling with, those things that we continue to uncover, those things that are underneath the veil have always been a part of our history as a humanity. Racism did not just all of a sudden come about when America was founded. Racism was not solved with the Civil Rights Act movement. Racism continues to exist this day and this age, and it is not getting worse. What it is is we are unveiling what is already there. It is there, and we need to be bold and address it. Our world is not getting worse. Instead, what was and is, is hiding and it's now being revealed. The stain of sin has always been there. But now our current climate allows us to see it more fully. We are becoming more enlightened about what hides underneath the veil. And so it's natural. It's natural to run from it. We all do it. I'm doing it right now in one sense because I have absolutely, positively divorced myself right now from watching television news. I cannot take it. Even a news station that I feel more aligned with, I cannot take it. So what I've done to try to fill that void, to center myself and to find a better understanding so I can still continue to hear these issues and address them, is I said I needed to find a media source that I can trust. I know what you're saying, Alice. I trust the LA Times. I trust you. I trust you, Alice. So there was this wonderful organization that recently did this study of like 7,000 media outlets. And they basically this beautiful graph and on the spectrum of what media outlets are the most balanced and out of balance. And from that, I found a media source that they say is the most balanced. 
And so I am investing my time and energy to make sure that I read that source. And now I'm not going to advertise what it is. You want to ask me when, I walk out, when you walk out the door, I'm happy to share with you. But in that, we can't run away from the things that are happening in the world, but we can align ourselves with people and values and organizations that give us the ability to be Christ-like in this world. Too often our leaders, I use that now with air quotes these days, like to figure out things by pragmatic solutions. And what they're doing is they're just pushing it on down to future generations. That drives me nuts. And I think my view drastically changed four years ago when I welcomed a child into this world. Because what I realized is that a lot of the people out there who are making decisions on our behalf are pushing the problems not even on Lexi. They're pushing it on Lexi's children. Two and three generations removed. In these scenarios, we overvalue value temporary harmony and undervalue solutions that transcend generations. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's there being a disruptive force, knowing that it will pay dividends down the line for a future generation. We can't shy away from greater peace simply for the cost that is going to happen with sacrificing lesser peace. I'll give you a real mundane but simple illustration of this. In our household, when we lived in Pasadena with this beautiful 905 square foot house that I envisioned restoring, which we did. And I started with the kitchen. I heard people laughing. Be gentle on me. I told my wife, oh, it's only going to take about four months. I'll do it on the weekend. I'll do it after work. And we'll just completely transform this you know, 1970s kitchen back to that 1924 colonial feel. On month eight, <laughs> when we're still using a microwave and a hot pad on the dining room table in arm's reach of the couch, because it's a 905 square foot house, Aaron looks at me and says, how much longer is this going to go on? And I try to explain to her, well, we have to jack up the house right now because this is that. need to shield. And she's like, I can hear this. Just solve it. I solved it. But I think it took another six months. She was ready to go to the Ritz-Carlton soon thereafter, I think. But I kept reminding her that this sacrifice that we're making right now, this sacrifice of comfort and ease, had a greater good. That greater good was functionality, that greater good was a better lifestyle. And in that, Jesus is saying the same exact thing. I am here to disrupt the world and to change things around, but trust me, my fellow lovers of good, my disciples, my precious ones, I'm doing this for a reason. We cannot expect the world to be transformed into the kingdom of God without some renovation. 
So how do we walk out of here and promote the good news amid this shifting landscape of a society deeply, deeply and bitterly polarized? I imagine each and every one of you sometime during this week asked that question in some way, shape or form. It's hard to walk through this world and not see the polarization and say, how do I respond as a Christian, as one who wants to proclaim the gospel? And it's, too, it's often too easy to frame our faith through the lens that does not account for the human condition. We must continue pulling back the veil that disguises and masks the world, even if it means creating a little bit of division. Our prophetic voice must go beyond the mundane and be willing to breach the ideals and institutions that undermine a gospel of love and peace. It will take more than words to break down systems that promote hatred, racism, injustice, exploitation, and greed. It will take more than words. It will take our actions and us holding others accountable for their actions. If we want to transform this world we live in, if we want this world to reflect the vision that Jesus Christ has for each and every one of us, we are going to have to step out into this world and make something happen. The goodness and wholeness that Jesus sought for the world will result from real struggle and real strife. Now I go back to my poll question this morning. Does that make you uncomfortable? It should. Does that sometimes make you angry? It should. If we're uncomfortable and we're angry and we're frustrated by this morning's gospel reading, then Jesus is doing exactly what he needs to be doing. Jesus knew that building up the kingdom of God, this movement that he had launched, would encounter great division and discord, especially after the cross, after he was gone. Jesus wants his followers, he wants you and me to realize that through the waters of our baptism, we have jumped in to the deep end, not the shallow end. Actually, we didn't jump into the deep end. You know what happened? Jesus pushed us into the deep end. I remember when I was learning to swim as a two-year-old. The way we learned to swim when we were two years old, my swim instructor, I remember this so vividly, it was probably two or three, I remember being thrown into the cold ice water. And you either sink or you swim. Now, we're not using that method for Lexi swimming, but I don't want to put that on him, but that's what Jesus is really doing. He's pushing us into the deep end, but he's not leading, leaving our side. He's not turning his back on us. He's asking us today. He's asking us every day that we go out here and we say to others that we are a person of Christ. If we're willing to risk lesser peace for greater peace. My sisters and brothers of St. Beads, are you willing to risk lesser peace for greater peace? What would it look like to speak out against a lesser peace to bring about greater peace 
greater healing and wholeness. And when we do, it may divide a household. It may divide a community. It may divide an organization. But we do not, do not go alone. The Holy Spirit leads us in to this experience. The Holy Spirit guides us from a lesser peace to true and lasting peace. The cost will be high. Jesus wants us to know this morning the cost will be high. We might even lose some friends. We might even lose some family members. Many of us will want to turn back, but if we turn back and fail to speak, fail to act, we resign ourselves to a lesser peace. We cannot settle. We run the risk of settling to keep the peace rather than bring about true peace. We talk about, oh, we'll pray for those who've suffered. BS. Let's do something rather than praying just for those who suffered the ill wills of gun violence in a school. Let's get off our butts and do something. Let's not just pray. We can pray and that's important. Don't get me wrong. Don't quote me that, that Pastor Ryan said don't pray anymore. You definitely need to pray. But you also, we need to go out and do level two of praying, which is action. Our good friends, the Benedictines, gave us that, that prayer also means active. Jesus was not silent and he was not passive when it came to building greater peace. So what's holding us back from continuing Jesus' vision? What is holding me back? What is holding you back? Can we afford to be silent in the world? Can we be silent when our brothers and sisters are living on the streets right outside our doors? Can we be silent when our LGBTQ friends, family, and neighbors are being isolated and killed and persecuted for what they are? Can we stand by when our black and brown and all of our brothers and sisters of color are continually pushed to the margins and dis dis disenfranchised, taken away their power and abused and neglected and even killed simply for the way that our Creator made them. We cannot afford to be silent in this day and age. And Jesus is rocking the boat today. The deep peace we seek means that we speak truth. But we speak truth in love, in the way that Christ has given us to speak the truth. We speak a gospel, Jesus Christ-centered love that seeks to transform this world 
and to turn it upside down. I hope we're uncomfortable with that. I really do hope we're uncomfortable by that because that means Jesus has his hand on us. He's holding our hand with one and shaking us with the other. He says, go out there. Let's make a difference. Let's do something different. Amen. Thank you for listening to Soundwaves at St. Bede's. If you want to learn more about St. Bede's, we invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at St. Bede's LA. If you like Soundwaves, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. Our worship services on Sunday are at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are welcome at St. Bede's. Additional information and directions to our church campus can be found on our website, stbedesla.org, S-T-B-E-D-E-S-L-A.org. Thank you again for listening, and may you be blessed this day and every day by God's unconditional love and eternal grace.